welcome to yet another very special episode of the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast. Very special yet again for a number of reasons. Firstly, because this episode, which is number 11 of the season and number 46 overall, marks the one-year anniversary of the podcast. Our very first episode aired on the 26th of October 2022, and one whole year later, here we still are. So, from October 2022 to October 2023, thank you for everything. As always, I'm Ross Anderson, joined by John Muir. Momentous day for us, really, John. It's a funny thing celebrating the passing of time, because all we've done is basically do the same thing for a year. But I suppose, you know, we've always tried to get a little bit better, and we've we've always tried to grow, and I suppose that's all you can really ask. Consistency. So, it's an absolute privilege, a year on, to still be doing it. Yeah, when we started this, I think we originally said we were going to try, what, six or seven episodes and see how it took off. Yeah, listen, the support has been phenomenal. We, we say it every week. We're so grateful for everybody tuning in and listening. And I've got more stories for this podcast about people contacting me that I would never have thought listened to the podcast, but are listening. And it's just, yeah, it's incredible to think that people are checking their Spotify and and listening to us ramble on about rugby. You asked me a little bit earlier about the stats of of how we've done in a year, and I thought I would save them for right now, live on the podcast to let you know. I've actually got one stat, because it's all that you really need to know, and it's all we really need to be happy about, is how many people or how many listens across the episodes we've had from 2022 to 2023 today is 19,600 35. That's ridiculous. 19,000. Nearly 20,000. Yeah. Now, listen, that's. I'm speechless. That is incredible. Thank you so much to everybody for, for listening to us. It's an amazing number. Today is not only the one year anniversary that makes this episode so special, it is also because we have a brilliant guest, someone we've been wanting to get on the podcast for quite a while now and we're absolutely chuffed to have him on especially on this anniversary day. Gregor Hiddleston how are you mate? I'm good thanks thanks for having me on. So we've had a couple different professional rugby players on and every single one of them been through their journey basically their 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 rugby career where they started where they've gone through the stepping stones they've made and they've all differed quite a lot when we talked to Stafford, it was very different to Scott, and it might be very different for you. So a little bit of a run through, what is your rugby story? Yeah, it was probably a little bit different for me. But I would say I definitely went round the houses to probably get to where I am now at this point. But yeah, probably like everyone else, you, you start out at your local rugby club. Mine was Dumfries Saints, went down there when I was about six years old. I don't think there was a mini section at that time, but still went and trained anyway. And yeah, it was it was great. Like met some of my best friends there, and I just enjoyed playing rugby as a kid. So yeah, from there, probably went progressed up the ladder a little bit throughout the age grades. And when I was seventeen, um, I'm not too sure if many people know this, but I went out to New Zealand for three or four months. So I played. I joined a rugby academy out there and played a bit of senior rugby out there as well because you could at seventeen. So that was really good. And then fast forward a bit from that, you know, made my first team debut for Dumfries Saints, played a couple of senior games and progressed on to JHA and 
And around that time, I played Scotland twenties and moved on to Super Six as well. So yeah, a few a few different clubs in between, but really enjoyed it. You say there was no mini section at Dumfries Saints. What about at school? Because that's a big thing we're talking about, especially recently. Is is the kind of push that we're trying to have, or Scottish rugby certainly are trying to have in the schools as much as possible? Was was school rugby a thing for you, or was it just luck that you know you were able to join somewhere like Dumfries at at six years old? I think it was really just luck. I went to a small primary school, Shawhead. There wasn't, there probably wasn't enough to make a team at some point. So you'd have your rugby days like every other, every other school. But no, there was no real emphasis on rugby. Even at secondary school, you know, you get a handful of games, but it wasn't like a, a core thing that we would do. I just, I know I'm going to get bite back from Dumfries if if I don't, if I don't jump in here, just for clarity for people listening. So. Rugby, when Gregor was at primary school, that would have been, what, a good 15 years ago, Gregor, would it be, yeah. roughly? So we didn't have what we call the micro section, which is P1 to P3, which will be what Gregor's referring to, not not having a micro section, because it just wasn't a thing. Rugby didn't start until you were P4, and then probably P4, P5, P6, P7, Gregor, was when you started being able to play a, a proper sort of rugby yeah, proper game, match, yeah. Yeah, pro- proper rugby training. So just uh, just so that Dumfries don't get upset that we're we're, uh, we're letting oh, no, them... you can't you can't make them them unhappy anyway. So <laughs> we don't want to let them down. But so when Gregor was in P four, P five, that's that's when your real rugby would have started. But you started before that coming down and grabbing rugby balls and kicking about, which you you would do if you were a real keen keen rugby player, but there wasn't any sort of matches at those times. So that's that's where we'll have started. What was your environment at Dumfries like? It's different for a lot of people, but I often think that it's a club that people spend a long time at, and that's certainly true for yourself. You started at six and you were playing. When you came back from New Zealand, you must have been 18, still 17 potentially, but that's still a long time to stay at one club and, and you know have a lot of love for Dumfries Saints. Yeah, I know the environment was good. You know, as I mentioned, my best friends are there. I've still got really good friends there now. Two of my older cousins, they played for the first team when I was coming up through. And then like even like my mum, she was uh, the lady president and my sister even worked behind the bar. So for me it was uh it was kinda like a lot of family and friends at that club and that's probably the thing that I enjoyed the most being at Dumfries. So I said to you off air, Gregor, that I I did a little bit of digging trying to find out some some gossip about you, but it backfired spectacularly on me because I messaged a couple of the guys that were development officers when I started and asked them what was what's Gregor's story and the response back was mate when I was working at Scottish Rugby Gregor was still in primary school so I don't know anything about it and I was yeah. working with them at the time so when I started as a DO you were probably not even that six-year-old boy running running around but the information that I have managed to gather was just how dedicated you were to rugby that they constantly kept driving by Park Farm and seeing you out doing extra work ons, do you think that was part of what helped your development as well as obviously the training at Saints? I think the biggest thing for me, I never actually thought I was that naturally talented at rugby. You know, it was always installed in me, like mom and dad always said, like if you if you want to get further you you need to work really hard and I think like the extras like the extra gym session, you know, for me as a hooker, the line out throw in, every everything I'd done was probably the thing that probably pushed me on off the field and then when I got on the field I was probably a bit better so 
it probably all came down to a little bit extra of the, the dedication and the hard work. When do you think you thought, okay, I can make a really good go of this? Because, you know, you've just said that you never thought it, for a long time, you never thought it would it would be possible. Do you think there's a moment in your career or maybe a selection or something like that that kind of tweaked in your mind, like, right, I can I can do this? Probably, you know, when I was under 16s, I probably thought, you know, you, you went and done regional stuff, but I'll be honest, I probably wasn't near it at that time. I was the classic case of some of the lads down in, down our way where it's like we go so far and we get deselected and that that was really tough for me but it kind of spurred me on at the same time so I think like under 18s uh, you know I played Glasgow Warrior 18s and that was when I was like you know I, I really want to kick on here so that was probably a good experience going to New Zealand as well you know I loved that I, lo- I loved doing rugby kind of full time and I think that those were the, the probably the key moments for me. You actually just mentioned it there the, the you know the fact that being from where we are, being from where we're from, it is it can be tough to kind of fly your own flag when it comes to getting selected for Glasgow or Scotland, under twenties, under eighteens, whatever it is. You know, it is tough for people in Dumfries and Galloway to kind of make that step, make that jump. Yeah, I yeah, I agree. It is tough, you know. Also you're out, out with the central belt. And yeah, I think, you know, when you're down in Dumfries it's it's not the case of you've got coaches coming to watch you and and see what you're doing so it's kind of about fighting your own corner and I think from maybe when I was doing it it was maybe a bit tougher but now obviously you know you look at Dumfries the amount of boys going up the road it's really good guys like Dominic Stewart I I, I really rate him a lot you know he's got good connections up the roads but probably a bit like yourself John where you know you speak to the coaches a bit more and it's easier to get boys up for trials and things so I do think there's a progression in that area so it's, it's good to see more boys going up the road from our area. This is, actually might be a bit odd because I'm going to ask you, John, which doesn't normally happen because we've got our own guest. But just because it's been one year and that's such a prevalent point about, you know, it hopefully changing for the better. When we first started this podcast, I would always ask about getting those opportunities if you're from Dumfries and Gallery to kick on into the Central Belt, into Glasgow, into Edinburgh, into Scotland, age grade stuff. Would you agree with Gregor there that that there are things changing for, for the positive? I think so. I think there is definitely a, a lot more uh, sort of interaction from the academy, from from the work that we do in terms of the community and the, and the grassroots stuff. Obviously, the the increase in video analysis that clubs are doing allows you to then put video clips together to send back up to the academy, and then also the kind of the little opportunities of the PDH programs because I. Correct me if I'm wrong, Gregor, but did you go through KNT camps? So the the key national themes. Did you go up and have like early hand catch tackle technique, or did you play as Dumfries and Galloway versus Ayrshire? What was what was the academy yeah. set when you were there? Kind of the regional stuff. So it was like we would do like Dumfries and Galloway versus Air, and then you'd progress from there to Glasgow in the West, I believe. So yeah, that's the kind of route I went with all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so players get picked up through through those camps and then get an opportunity to play, showcase their skills and then and then go into the academy for there. But I still think that the area we maybe lack a little bit. And again, it'll be interesting to hear if that was the route that Gregor sort of went on where you play for your, your first team, but you then get picked up by a team that's maybe sort of higher in the leagues, 
Premiership National One that then pick you up to then take you take you through into the next stage because it's very unlikely that you would get picked up from a like a Dumfries Saints National Three or National Two game to then go straight into pro rugby. Yeah, I think you know it was, it was tough for me around that. 18-year-old time where, you know, COVID was a thing. So I was part of the, the academy up in Glasgow, but I wasn't a contracted player. So I'd go up and train, but, you know, when when COVID came and furlough happened, all the training stopped, I was out on my own. So for me, the case, the aim then was go play for Scotland under-20s. And, you know, I had, I had various conversations with coaches and luckily at that time I was offered by GHA who were in the Scottish Premiership, chance to go up there and, and, and play for them. And they and in return, I'll, you know, try progress on to Scotland twenties. So it was always going to be tough going there, but you know, it's it was tougher to leave Dumfries and leave like the club I've been at, you know, my whole life. And so yeah, it, it, that was probably the biggest thing for me going to the Premiership and progressing that way. And where does Super Six come into it, Gregor? Because obviously there's a there's a big debate about whether or not it's Maybe sustainable is not the word, but but good for everyone. But for for people like you, because for a long time we were we would look down the team sheets, and I think you were one of, if not the only one, playing in the Super Six from Dumfries and Galloway, which was which was pretty amazing for some time. How big a stepping stone would that give you? So obviously you've moved from Dumfries to GHA. Was it then to Super Six, and that gave you the ability to kick on, or do you think things were kind of already? in place before you even joined Super 6 in the first place? I think the steps was, you know, playing Scotland under-20s and going to Super 6. I, I'll be honest, I can't fault Super 6 at all. For me, personally, it's been great. You know, I know what they say, it bridges the, the gap from amateur to pro, but it was great for me as a young player, like, going into that semi-pro environment. One of my earliest games was coming off the bench against Air, and I was against Grant Stewart, who was a full-time pro, and, you know, he had a Scotland cap at that time, so... I just love like going out there and relishing the challenge against like professional boys, and quite often you see even now Glasgow Edinburgh releasing boys going playing in Super Six. So the standard was good, and yeah, I can't really fault it. The debate is almost in and around like when you played GHA, and then you made that step up into the Super Six. Was there a real clear gap in in the standard? Like, did you when you played Super Six realize? Crikey, this is a this is another step up again. So it's a step from Saints to GHA, and then from GHA to the Super Six, and then obviously Super Six and in Glasgow. Is there massive progressions there? Where's the biggest step? I think the biggest step between Premiership and Super Six is probably the speed of the game. Like I'll be honest, like in the Premiership, you know, you get you get some old tough men that just want to hurt you. So the physicality has always been there. You know, you go play hoik away, and I remember getting roughed up a few times. But yeah, I think going. Going to Super Six obviously is more physical, but yeah, the the speed and probably the the professionalism. You know, lads are turning up three times a week, full time S and C programs, and you know you've you've got plays off line outs where at JHA we didn't really have that. So yeah, I think it was a bit more professional, and obviously the the pace of the game was quicker. And then eventually there was the next step up, which was to Glasgow, or potentially at the same time doing a little bit of the. Glasgow Academy at least what was that step like and and you know how well has that fared you since making the step it was obviously quite a big step so I just finished a summer tour with the Scotland under 20s at that time and got two weeks off and you know in that two weeks off I was told I was going to be 
getting offered a professional partnership with Glasgow Warriors. So, you know, had two weeks off, went into the environment there and it was full bang. Obviously, I started on the same day as Franco Smith, so I think I think they were laying down the law over those over that block of preseason, and it was really tough. Obviously, like going, you know, seeing guys on TV and stuff, and then you're you're in training next to them, and it was pretty cool, but it was uh, it was really tough at the start. What is life as a academy player like? You know, you touched on that a little bit there. I mean, first of all, it's amazing because, like you say, you've just seen all these boys play for Scotland or potentially even other countries around the world, Argentina and all and Australia and all that kind of stuff. And then suddenly you're part of it. You're doing exactly the same training sessions they are doing. You're, you're eating your meals. You know, what, what is it like as a, what's life like as a academy player? Well, when I was in the academy, you were probably nowhere near the, the first team. So yeah, it was, it was probably tougher being an academy player. Like I still lived at home at times. So you were getting up at five in the morning to, to be in Glasgow to start seven, so that that was probably the toughest thing to travel, as most boys know from our area. But yeah, it was good, you know. Like I can't fault the training and the support we got when we were in there. So it it was good, but obviously, you know, when I joined Glasgow and obviously, as I mentioned, seeing everyone and seeing faces that you've never really like seen before, I played with boys that you've not played with before. Sorry, yeah, it was that was probably the biggest step up. And then obviously, there's one last step up to come and that's you know that's signing on full time that's all the work that you've done before the teams you played for you know all those years at Dumfries all those all that traveling you make that final step up and and that must have been a a brilliant day for you to to put your name on that line yeah uh yeah it was it was brilliant it was amazing I um I couldn't I couldn't really believe it at the start when I was going in to Scotland and you know say I was a professional rugby player but I was brought down to earth quickly when, you know, the hard work starts and, you know, you got your contact rotations and uh, the nitty gritty of pre-season. So uh, it didn't last too long. And just how does that how does that come about, Gregor? Like, do you, you know, you said you got kind of two weeks notice with your two weeks off after the under-20s. What Did you get any notice when you were, when you're being a pro? It's all done through agents. When you get to that academy, academy level, into pro level, how, how does it work, the logistics of it? So, as I said before, I was out in Italy with Scotland under-20s on a summer tour, and at that time, I hadn't been offered anything. I think they gave away all the pro-academy contracts, so I, I didn't actually think I was going to get anything in Scotland. You know, I was offered to, you know, go to a, a champ team down south or join a pro-academy uh, or a pro-premiership academy. So those were the only really option, real options for me then. And then, luckily... You know, I spoke to Kenny Murray, my agent, you know, um, spoke to Glasgow and luckily enough, I signed a, a contract from, from there. And is that just a, a phone call from the agent that says, we've done it, we've we've got you, we've got you a Glasgow contract, you're getting to stay at home? Or was there still discussions to be had and then around weighing it up? Is, is the championship better? Where are you going to get the gameplay opportunities? Or was it just as simple as Glasgow are in, that's it? You've done your job, agent. Let's let's get that contract signed. Uh, obviously, spoke about it for a bit, but no, I think Glasgow was always going to be the the main target. I wanted to be a, a Glasgow warrior since I was a little boy, and you know, to get to get offered a contract was uh, was pretty cool. So, yeah, it was uh, there wasn't much way not options for me. It was kind of let's go with Glasgow. And that that little boy got to fulfil his dream 
what was that first couple of weeks like? You know, getting thrown into that the deep end, the deepest of deep ends. To be honest, that you can that you've played at so far. I mean, I suppose they, they kind of bleed you in when you're the academy player, but it's it's a different kettle of fish when when you know that this is your this is your time to prove it as a pro and your those are your first couple of weeks. Yeah, like as I said, I was like I was absolutely buzzing, but that that feeling soon left when you know the hard work started and there was lots of learning to be done. And yeah, I think. I think in those first few weeks, it was just about keeping my head down and working hard, like how I'd done before, and don't try to do something that you you don't normally do or be someone that you're not. So, yeah, I think it was just going in and working hard, and you know, it it was really cool. But you know, as I said, it was it's really hard work. And then if we fast forward to to right now, obviously you've been in that environment for for a little bit now. How are you finding things? We've just started the the new season, but you've been you've been in training. You've done everything you've done all the hard work and and hopefully the obviously the hard work continues but you're hoping that the the results come now how are you finding things as of right now yeah it was a bit of a weird one in the pre-season so obviously when when the lads were still off I went back and played super six early and you know I thought it was valuable to get game time under my belt and you know I came I came into pre-season and I felt like I was flying and then you know I was I was named to start against Zedbury an opening pre-season match and you know that was I was buzzing with that and unfortunately a day later I uh, banged my AC in my shoulder so I had to rule I was ruled out with injury so that that was a that was a bit gutting for me but luckily I came back next week and managed to get half the game against Ulster so it was still good to get minutes in the tank but didn't go the way I wanted to but you know I still uh, still managed to get something out of it. What is that like as well with, you know, obviously the Scotland boys being away because you've got them to come back, which is obviously a huge boost. That doesn't even need to be said because they're all fantastic players, but there's so much hard work that you're putting in here and then you've got to add more players into the mix. You'd like to think that they know what they're doing straight away when you come in, but obviously you guys have been been focusing on this. You know what you've been doing and then, you know, there's another, I don't actually know the number, what, nine, ten boys to add into the mix yet again. Yeah, I think, you know, all the Scotland lads are pretty smart. They pick it up pretty quickly, obviously. So I don't think anyone's too worried about that. But, you know, obviously we were a real tight training group over that pre-season and, you know, we got to know each other really well. So it's good to get the boys back in. You know, obviously the experience they bring and everything around that, it's, they're really good to have around that core group. And an unreal start to the season already. You know, that you said you've kept on so well from preseason, not just you personally, but the team as well. And that showed on Sunday night. Yeah, beating Leinster's massive, obviously. But, you know, I think I you know, it was it was the same before the European final. It's it wasn't like we we're doing anything different because we we're playing Leinster or anything like that. It was just every every week's the same and every preparation's the same and, you know, the boys came out firing on Sunday there and it was great to see them get the first win. What is it like when you're maybe not involved in the match day squad? How does those how do those kind of things work? Because obviously you're you're training all the time, putting in the hard yards, and and you do everything as a team. But if you're not actually in that twenty three or whatever it is, what kind of happens? Yeah, I think I think the main thing is you got to be a good squad player first. Like you know the, the match twenty three is the most important, and you need to pre- prepare them the best way you can. You know my role is always different every week. Some some weeks I'm twenty fourth man where. I travel with the squad and if anyone gets injured, you know, I get to go on the bench. But other weeks, you know, I might I might get released to Super 6. Luckily, I'm on a, a pro partnership, so it's in my contract where, you know, I can go out and get game time if, if, I'm not, if I'm not needed with Glasgow. So those are probably my two main roles. And then if not, you know, 
it's a bit of fun on Friday with a non twenty three session, and you know you get a bit of kick about, a bit of hard work with the with the boys, and you know you enjoy your weekend off. So yeah, I think you've always got a role and a part to play within the squad. So it's never just like oh you you know you're a bag holder or or anything like that. You know you you are important and you are needed. So it's um it's really good at Glasgow. We've heard that all this World Cup, haven't we? That it's about it's about a squad effort and. And it will be for for the URC. You know, it's a long season. Everybody's got to do do their job, and, and you you almost have to bide your time and wait for those opportunities to come. Because I know there's there's a lot of our boys who have travelled up there that have maybe filled that role, Gregor, for for quite a number of years, and then had half an opportunity and managed to manage to kick on as a hooker. You're you're still really young, aren't you? Like. You know, when you're looking at the boys that are in front of you, there's some proper worldies playing in front. So it's about maybe learning from them and then when you get that opportunity really kicking on, is that is that the plan? Yeah, obviously, like, you know, you mentioned other boys going through it, like Stafford went through the exact same thing and I spoke to him about it and the best thing you can do is just keep chipping away. Obviously, I'm a hooker and, you know, I'm only 21 at the moment and it's probably harder to break through in the front row being, being a bit younger, but, yeah, the way I... See it. There's there's three Scotland internationals ahead of me, and it's just about learning off them and you know picking up little little things here and there. So if it's the case of where I'm not playing it playing, but I'm still learning, it's it's not the end of the world. And you know things I learn at Glasgow, I take to Super Six, and it's just about learning and biding your time. And you know as people say, keep chirping away, and you know good things will come. So yeah, that's what that's what I'm going for at the moment. Price John, you must feel old on this Zoom chat. Eh? Mate, when I was looking at Gregor's stats and stuff like that, born two thousand, born two thousand and two, is that right, Gregor? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I started working at Shirtree in two thousand and eight, so Gregor would have been six year old whenever I was whenever I was kind of starting out. It's just, <laughs> yeah, I feel older and older every time. All these bloody youngins coming on this podcast make me feel old. <laughs> Greg, I want to go back ever so slightly because we've talked about pretty much everything apart from Scotland under-20s. Obviously a massive, massive part of your development, a part of th- things that you should be immensely proud of. Give us a little bit of an idea of the the environment, the, the memories, the experiences that you had you know, representing your country at, at such a great level. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest, I think... The under twenties year was probably one of the best years of my life at the moment. Like, it was it was class. Just you know, not even on the pitch. You know, you you're away the whole time. You know, you're living with all your best mates. It's it's really good fun. So I think being around the boys was the best thing. But obviously, you know, like getting to play for Scotland, pulling the jersey, um, that that was really really cool as well. And you know, I loved I loved every minute of it. So it was obviously a step up going from playing playing in the Premiership and. You know, next week you're playing against England. It was uh, it was quite it was quite a shock to the system, but yeah, I think the experiences are so valuable, and you know that was probably the real kind of taste of professional rugby, if you like, that I've ever had. So uh, yeah, I absolutely loved it. And has anyone that you were playing with in that under twenties, or or maybe even before that, been able to make that step up with you, or make these steps with you, or has it been? I'm not going to say a lonely journey because obviously rugby is not a lonely sport. There's you make the best friendships, like you've said, and you're doing you're, all the games you're playing, all the training you're doing is with with all your best mates. But in in the way that you've succeeded, in the way that you've kicked on, 
as have you been able to do that with with a good group around you or has it almost felt like you know you've been taking this step you've been taking it further and further which is great but almost on your own no i think you know i definitely wasn't on my own there's andy stewart who joined jha for probably the same reasons as as me and we probably done that whole pathway together and he signed a, a senior professional contract like a, academy contract with glasgow and I, I signed a partnership so you know we're doing the same thing just different contract names so yeah there's a there's a few boys like that so we all kind of went out of that 20s system and went into Glasgow together. So, no, I definitely wasn't on my own. So it was it was always handy having, you know, familiar faces around when you made that transition. And you, you've touched on it ever so slightly a minute ago, but having a familiar face like Stafford in the, in the squad must be amazing as well because, as I've said, there's very few that have, have made it from Dumfries and Galloway, to be perfectly honest, for various different reasons, not because there aren't hundreds and hundreds of players down here that could, there are just the few that have and, and being able to have someone like Stafford that has maybe taken a different style to you, same as Scott Steele at Edinburgh, but to both be in the situation now is is fantastic. Yeah, I think I think Stafford's, you know, someone that's really good to look at, you know. He's he's probably he probably, you know, a bit similar to myself. He might might have struggled for game time here and there in that professional environment at the start, but you know, he's flying now, you know, he's got a Scotland cap under his belt. Captain Glasgow, he, the, the amount he's done recently is, is incredible. So it's so good to, you know, see see someone from our area do that. And then even over at Edinburgh, you know, Scott Steele signed, signed the contract there after the career he's had. And even the Curry brothers, you know, I, I played played with Matt Curry and back at Dumfries when I, when I was a wee boy and his younger brother Tom as well. So I think, I think we're a bit well represented and in that kind of area, a few boys from the area, so it's it's really good to see. And do you have much contact with the likes of like Robbie Smith? You know, you guys would be fairly similar in terms of the hooker. Obviously, Robbie came up through Newton Stewart. He's a little bit older than you. Similar path, came up through his club, went into Premiership, played a little bit here, got into Glasgow Academy. He's obviously now down at Saints. Do you have much much crossover with other professional boys that are, are in Scotland? I've never actually personally spoke to Robbie Smith, but obviously I'm, I'm very much aware of how well he's done and, you know, where he's came from and, you know, he ended up at Glasgow and then he had a st- he's obviously having a stint down south at the moment, so it'd probably be really good to speak to him. When I was growing up, when I was about 17, um, I spoke to Stuart McAnally quite a bit over at Edinburgh and he, he's, he's a top bloke, definitely gave me some good pointers and I still keep in contact with him now. I think it's good to, you know, speak to other professionals that are maybe a bit older and went through what you're going through and see what see what they have to say. So it's it's really good. Gregor, with all this said and done, how much connection do you still have with where it all began? With Dumfries, do you ever get the chance to come back down? Do you still know people that are playing here? You know, that it's been such a big part of your life. There must be a lot of love still there. Yeah, yeah, I love Dumfries to be honest. I can't I can't fault the club at all. As I mentioned, you know, my mum was the lady president last year, so uh, I came down quite a lot. You know, I've, I've got a lot of my friends at the club as well. So, yeah, I do do go watch Dumfries with my dad. It's good to see so many familiar faces. You know, all the faces that were there when I was younger, you know, they're still there now. So not much has changed around the club in that sense. But, yeah, I love going back and watching the boys, supporting them. Obviously, when you were there, it wasn't a thing. I mean, even a few months ago, it wasn't a thing. Dumfries having a ladies team. How class is that? You know, it's just another way that they've they've kicked on and they're improving over and over and over again. 
Yeah, um, I actually went and watched them a, a few weeks ago. My sister Annabelle, she's the, she's the captain, so I don't know how she wangled that one, but um, yeah, I, I give her a bit of stick for that. But yeah, it's it's really good to see women's rugby progressing in the area, and you know, it's kind of cool that my sister's part of it, and I think it's something that the club can definitely grow on. I think they might be wrong in saying this under 16s or under 18 girls. You know, I think they get really good numbers, so. It's, it's, it's good to see that from a club down in our area doing so well in that aspect. Are you saying that she's dining out in your name, Gregor? Is that what you, your name and your mum's name she's riding on your coattails? No, no, definitely not. I think I'm li- living in her shadow at the moment. Seems to get man of the match and scores a few tries every game. So yeah, she's she's doing really well. So, Gregor, a few things to finish off with. The first of which is what you've got coming up, basically. We've talked about your past, your your present. What what about a little bit further down the line? So what do the next few weeks hold for you? Obviously, training hard, hoping to get some game time. Anything else special coming up in the next few weeks? And what about the next few years? It's probably a pretty obvious answer to ask a, a question, to ask a professional rugby player. Just wanted to kick on in the next couple of years. But in your own words, what, what are you hoping for in the next, next couple of weeks, next couple of years? I think the next couple of weeks probably get this this shoulder sorted, the AC. Whether whether that how long that takes, I don't know. It's a, it's a bit of a, a sticky injury that I've got at the moment, so it's it's a bit frustrating. But I think you know the next few weeks, obviously, just being around the boys at Glasgow, preparing them. If I'm involved, I'm, I'm involved. If not, you know, I'm I'm back at Sterling fighting for a playoff spot and hopefully push on in the in the latter rounds of the Super Six. So no matter where I am, I think you know there's there's a there's an important role for me. So. I think that's that's where I'm, I'm I'm at over the next few weeks, but over the next few years, get some game time for Glasgow. And for me, it's always been the case of keeping the head down and working hard. So I don't want to don't wanna speak too much about what I'm going to try to do, but it's just see what comes to me and grab opportunities with both hands. One very quick thing you just ran me off there. You said earlier that when you're not in the game day 23 and if you're not 24th man, you you've got this contract situation where you've got a chance to go go away and still get some game time elsewhere. Is that always with Sterling in the Super 6? Is that in your contract that it's Sterling County you, you go away and play for or are there opportunities wherever they may present themselves? No, so my contract's aligned with Sterling County, well, Sterling Wolves, the, the Super 6 side. So I always go back there and, yeah, I love Sterling, to be honest. It's a lot of fun. Love all the guys there and it's a good group of boys so um i always enjoy going back to sterling well that leads me perfectly to talk about all the boys that you have played with do play with whatever you would like to say because we do quick for our teammates so we've got 10 i wouldn't say scenarios what are they just like titles i suppose and you will let us know what teammate first comes to your head when i say that yep Right, who's the hardest trainer, hardest working? I'm going to say Stafford McDowell. I think he's a really hard worker. Loudest in the dressing room? George Horn's pretty loud. Worst dresser? Edward Martin, Dumfries Saints. Uh, worst taste in music? Sione Violani. Naturally talented? Uh, Tom Jordan. Best jokester, prankster? Ryan Wilson, when he was at Glasgow laziest when it comes to something like training but then when they want to turn it on they can just turn it on game day they're just absolutely flat oh that's a tough one probably James Powell at Sterling Sterling Wolves 
What about the hardest? Uh, I'll go for the Dumfries one, Ryan Cruikshank. He's a he's a pretty tough guy when you watch him. And last one, best on a night out. Probably the younger boys, the boys I played twenties with. I can't pick one out. We've always had uh, some good stories when when we went out on on under twenty nights out. So yeah, any of them. Amazing, Gregor. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, chatting about yourself and and you know all the great steps that you've taken so far. A lot of love for Dumfries, a lot of love for the clubs you've been at. And, and you've, as I said at the beginning, you've done it a different way. But we're just chuffed to see that you're kicking on every single week. And, and we really hope the best for you going forward. Thank you very much. Cheers. You're listening to the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast. Bring you the latest updates, captivating interviews, an in-depth analysis of the sport we love. And now we have some exciting news for our listeners. This season we are proudly sponsored by BE Uniforms, the clothing partner of the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast. They have been providing top quality workwear and rugby kits for over 34 years, serving rugby clubs, schools and businesses across Scotland and the north of England. What sets BE Uniforms apart is their commitment to quality and their extensive experience in the industry. With 10 retail stores spread across the region, they are the largest uniform company in the area. They've partnered with renowned brands like Canterbury and Macron, making them the go-to destination for all your rugby kit needs. From Melrose to Oban and beyond, BE Uniforms has been supplying top quality rugby kits to clubs all over Scotland. So, if you're gearing up for the 2023-24 season... And looking for a reliable kit supplier, we highly recommend checking out BE Uniforms. Visit their website at beuniforms.com to explore their impressive range of rugby kits and workwear options. But that's not all. Did you know that BE Uniform hosts the podcast shop on their website? Now you can go show your support for the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast by purchasing exclusive DG Rugby Pod merch. We want to express our sincere gratitude to BE Uniforms for their support in bringing you this season of the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast. Now, let's get back to the action on the field. Stay tuned for more captivating interviews and insightful previews and reviews of all the thrilling rugby happening across Dumfries and Galloway. Welcome back to part two of this historic Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast episode, the one-year anniversary. And John, it is not the way we wanted to be doing the results roundup on our one-year anniversary. If it weren't for Stewartry men's and Shire women's, we would be in a lot of trouble. There are a lot of talking points, a lot of close games, and a lot of things to nitpick for some of these teams. So we should get cracking straight away because although the changeover for our one-year anniversary results roundup is not the way we wanted, we're hoping that as this episode goes out, it gives good luck to all of our teams this weekend. First, though, we had two cancellations, one at the top of the men's game and one at the top of the women's game. So to quickly mention those, John, Newton Stewart did not play and neither did the Stewart Sirens. No, obviously the the weather where those two fixtures were situated, obviously Newton travelling up to Gordonians was going to be a difficult 
bus journey to get through with all the road closures and, and all that. And then obviously Stewartry heading to Geary as well. Not going to be possible and not going to be safe with the weather warnings out. So wisely those games cancelled. But the West Coast, the tropical West Coast and southwest of Scotland managed to get some fixtures played, or the rest of the fixtures played anyway. So we start then, rather fittingly, with Dumfries Saints, because we just chatted away to Gregor. Not what he and not what we would have wanted, though, when it comes to the scoreline. Dumfries were away to west of Scotland, and west of Scotland came away annoyingly, because it's one point away from at least a losing try bonus, a losing bonus point, sorry. West of Scotland 28, Dumfries 20. Just wasn't a beef for Saints. We said last week on the pod that this would be a game that they'd be hoping to try and pick up some points from. And as you say, unfortunately, they, they, they managed to not get any coming off of it. It was the same old problem. Those away games, you know, when we I spoke to Paddy a couple of weeks ago, he'd said about away games being the sort of Achilles heel currently with the squad home games that they seem to be putting in decent performances but when they're away they seem to really to really struggle and it's pretty much the same the same case when they were able to put some of their phases together and play around the corner they were playing its pace and they, they looked dangerous they were causing causing some real problems for west of scotland but the psychological aspect of being away from home this young side just needs a bit more experience when they're up against it and being able to put that through. They were caught out by not adjusting to the referee and constantly letting West of Scotland out of their own 22 and their own half with some soft, soft penalties for offside. You know, And that is a coach killer when your players don't just take that one step back to make sure that they're not offside. You just kept giving the easy outs. So when you give them easy outs, it relieves all the pressure and they're able to play a bit more free and it starts putting the pressure on you because obviously they're then kicking into your own half. The set piece was strong though and there was some good individual performances from the likes of Craig Goldie doing well in his return. Alex Bryden performed well, his debut at 10 and he's a real prospect for the for the future of Saints. Uh, Harry Hoodley again, Scott Goodwin, Sam Rogers, Ryan Cruikshank and Ian Carlyle were all strong for Saints. A lot of learning needing to be done. There was positives coming out of it that Paddy's going to take take on board and see if they can continue to build that culture and continue to build that environment where players are improving week in, week out and results will take care of themselves when the opportunities arise. And hopefully they, they manage to sort out this psychological barrier that they seem to struggle away from home. And we go to... Or what our one positive result in the men's section, Roscoe, Stuartry flying the flag, but by all accounts wasn't looking likely for most of the game, but they managed to pull through twenty seven ten against North Berwick. Yeah, on the balance of play, I think uh maybe a little bit of a handsome scoreline for us deserved, don't get me wrong. But as I say, as I said to you after the game as well, John, it was a little bit touch and go there. I think either either side could have stolen the victory, just relieved that it was us, our first win in, in three games. So, yeah, massive, massive to get the get the win. The difference that makes, we're now on 17 points in fifth. We would have been 13 points in 
seventh and only a couple of points away from those at the bottom. So it does make a huge, huge difference. The the one thing I am still, what's the word? Disappointed? It still bugs me a little bit. Is this is these losing bonus or these try bonuses? Every single team has at least four. Whether that's try bonuses or losing bonuses, add them together at least four in the whole of national four. We have one. One try bonus and zero losing bonus points. And you just think that those games that we've lost and those games that we've won, you know, maybe one more try to get the losing bonus or one more try to get the four score bonus, it could make a huge difference come the end and and actually probably could be the difference between us sitting in fifth right now and third. Having said all that, we needed the win. Let's be honest, that's what we wanted and that's what we got. We had some really, really good performances as well. Ash getting our try. Rory Porteous coming back to to play his first game of the season, getting a try. And TJ McCorney leading by example, also getting our third try. Both of our locks got shout-outs. James McCulloch getting man of the match and Harry Campbell having a really, really good game. And another thing Sandy was really happy about was a lot of boys making the step up. So a few boys, including Merlin Lawrence, Conor Maguire, Harry Campbell being one of them as well, stepping up from the twos into the ones and, you know, making that transition seem seamless. And that is is massive. We've talked about it so many times, John, to be able to pull from your second 15 and then to just slot into place, know what they're doing and put in a performance that, that brings your team a win, a much needed win. It, it's huge for confidence and it's huge for pushing the people that are normally in those positions in the first 15 on. You know, we've got to now up our game so that these other boys that are coming in, bleeding in, don't take our place for the rest of the season. And, and that's massive. So end of the day, four points. Thank God for that. Yeah, and that just goes back to what we were saying about uh, with Gregor, isn't it, in, in the World Cup, that as, as a squad, a squad that, that wins you the league, so that it's a squad that, that makes makes your club and as you say it's great to see those boys obviously some of them have have first team experience you know they're probably fringe first team players they'll probably class themselves as first team players so but yeah just having that ability to be able to rotate national league we know is going to have a bigger impact on the playing pool and as i've said before on the podcast many a time you know you're now needing a squad of 38 players to fulfill a league a league season on average. So it's massively important that, that you have that depth coming through and those guys are always ready to take those opportunities. It is fine, fine margins at this level of, of rugby and it is fine margins in the next couple of games we have as well. Annan were at home and they lost to East Kilbride 19-18. Sickening, really. Yeah, and that is a real sickener for them. When I when I was looking through things this morning, prepping for the podcast, obviously I seen there was a video on social media. The same, Annan do it every week. They put out their here's who scored our tries, and there were two two really good tries. But the tail end of the video just let you catch a little bit of controversy uh, as to how that game panned out. So the story goes, Annan scored from a tap penalty, managed to move the ball 
over to Alex Halliday, who crashed himself over the line and managed to get the final score, which brought Annan to the 18-19 scoreline that we see in front of us. And Josh Whiteside, we know he's got a big boot, we know he can kick. I had the pressure of of win, kicking the conversion to almost win the game. There was some time left on the clock, not long. I think it was maybe about two or three minutes. But essentially, this was the game-winning kick. Now, depending on who you've spoken to and who you listen to, the kick went above the goalposts. Now, on the video, I can't tell you whether it went over or not. Obviously, Annan are convinced that it went over. The touch judge who was on that goalpost was convinced it was over, but the touch judge on the other goalpost didn't think it went over. So he shook his flag down. One touch judge had his flag up, so the buck got passed to the referee. Now, I know Annan are upset and they are miffed at this decision, but as a neutral, you have to look at it as the referee was going to be hated by someone. It was either going to be Aaron or it was going to be Isco Bride. So either way, he was going to take quite a lot of flack. He made his choice. He said that he wasn't sure the ball had went over the goalposts. And that was the decision that was made. It's a, it's a signal. It's unfortunate. You don't want to have those games decided on what they'll perceive as a controversial controversial call but again like I will always always go back to the fact that you as a team shouldn't allow a referee to to win you the game or lose you the game you know there would have been opportunities Annan would have had opportunities to try and put that game away before that came about and it's just unfortunate that this time it's not it's not ran that way I hope I hope that we can move away from this sort of environment that we're in now where we are, you know, looking for refereeing decisions. You know, we see it on social media just now with England and their loss to South Africa. I hope that rugby doesn't start going down this route. I hope that we can stay and we can keep looking internally and say we took we should have took that game out of the referees out of the referees' hands and been able to play and put away some of the chances. There was some stellar performances that Jan was was really proud of with um, young Aiken Render playing well in the forwards, even though he's played uh, wing and centre in the past, and he's also playing uh, up at Curry, playing 10. He was in the back row this week, um, and he had an outstanding game, and as we say, big Alex Halliday in the back line managing to get that, to get that score, and it was real difficult for Jan to even pack anybody out. He thought that there was a lot of boys that put their hand up as I say, it's just unfortunate that, the, that this controversy seems to be the talking point and seems to have just sort of deflated Aaron. You know, the, coming off the back of that, you you do, you know, that's totally natural. You are going to feel deflated. But hopefully they get a response this weekend. It's a tough, tough away game for them this weekend, but hopefully they can bounce back, take, take a bit of solace in the fact that they played a good game um, and it was just a whisker or a few inches that cost them the game. Just a few inches, just a slightly bigger whisker was Shire's downfall over the weekend. They lost not by one, but by three. Shire 12, Cumnock 15. 
Yeah, and this was another another tough one. I'd heard beforehand that Shire had pretty much the run of the game. We had plenty of opportunities and just couldn't couldn't take it and come up lived off most of those scraps and and were able to put them together to, to win the game. And when I messaged John, I, I basically I said that and, and he came back to me and said, yeah, mate, tough one to take. We had plenty of opportunities to have the game won, especially in the second half. Possession and territory was all for Shire and we just kept giving them easy outs, shot themselves in the foot, some slack tackling, gifted a couple of soft tries and then it was a bit of an uphill battle from there. He is pleased that their set piece continues to improve uh, and that gave them a platform to play in the right areas and they managed to grab a try back just before half time, which meant they went in 12-7 down. Made a couple of changes at half time, brought in some fresh energy and where they were able to take a bit more control, they did manage to find themselves level with a great run and finish from Blair Forsyth. They then had the momentum and they were pushing hard for that winning try, particularly off the driving mall at the line-out. Twice they had the ball over the line and they didn't quite get it done. Uh, Once was a double movement and once was held up. Unfortunately, the error count never really dropped and they were punished late on with a penalty for them to nick the win. So a real frustrating day at the office for Wigtonshire in a game that they feel they should have won. But those little lapses in concentration in the first half and then the opportunity to create chances in the second half and just not take them. They just need to be a bit more clinical and keep their heads when they are near the opposition trial line. Positive note, they are actually creating those opportunities. You know, that's one thing as a coach you always look for. Are you putting yourself in a position to be able to score? And they are. And they're keeping a good attack inside, pretty locked down defensively, because Cumnock like to play rugby to keep them nullified and keep them scrapping was certainly a, a tick in the box for the defence. So it's another tough one this weekend coming up for them, but we'll we'll have a chat about that. Hopefully they, they can bounce back as well. We'll be hoping for a bounce back as well this weekend for Langham. They had a tough run of it when they welcomed Portobello. Langham 21, Portobello 52. Yeah, it's another one for the Friesen Galloway rugby yeah, for, a, for a bit of a struggle. Portobello, we talked about again, sort of maybe similar to what we talked about at Saints. Portobello was sitting below Langham going into this game and you'd have thought Langham would have been able to to pull something together. But Portobello did it on the road, managed to put a big score past Langham, which which puts them in a little bit of bother now. They're now sitting th- Langham are now sitting third bottom. Portobello are behind them and Leith Rugby as well. But it is tight down that bottom end of the table. From fourth bottom to last place, there's only four points separating those four sides. So Langham need to make sure that they get wins where they can. And when they're in and around those battles, relegation battles, those teams, those are the victories that they need to be picking up. They cannot cannot afford to be losing 52-21 to a team that's that's close to them at the bottom of the table. So they'll be hoping to rectify that. We round off the men's results with the most gutting of all, John, because the streak is over. I don't know whether you feel bittersweet about this because it was a win for your old team, Irvin, but it meant Moffat lose the unbeaten season 
Irvin, 36. Moffat, 19. That is a bit of a bittersweet moment for me. Not because of the Irvin, Irvin win, but the amount of messages I've received off the Irvin boys, uh, some of the old boys that I used to play with, because obviously they have listened to the podcast, they listened to our chat in and around the game, and Big Russian Philander messaged me, he was straight on the chat, mate, Moffat didn't listen to you, they need to watch for the Big Russian, that's why they got beat, they weren't able to handle the big man, and then I got another message from Ian Spears, who was their line-out destroyer, basically, who also had a apparently had a stellar game according to Ross, also giving me a shout saying he was listening to the podcast. He, I even got a follow from Spearsy, so welcome aboard to those two guys. I did tell them I was going to give them a shout out on the podcast, and I was going to be nice. I'll go into the match report and then I'll rip them a bit, a bit more later on. But yeah, and when Ross sent me a message, he pretty much said the the same sort of stuff. It was just the set piece that upfront physicality that Irvin showed just made them a cut ahead. The first half, Irvin scored four tries into a prevailing wind. So the game was kept tight. The forwards were the ones that were dominating. Scrums, line-outs, just starving Moffat of any sort of ball to be able to play with. He was a bitter, he was bittersweet. Ross was bittersweet because... He had felt a little bit of complacency sort of creeping into the Moffat game when you go on that sort of unbeaten streak. It is difficult to try and keep that hunger and maintain that concentration to be able to go to go all the way through. Unbeaten was always going to be a tough ask. The loss was going to come at some point. Now it's about how they react to it. Are they going to learn from it? Are they going to be able to adapt their game? We said... Do not take Irvin on up front. That is their game. And apparently Ross said that to them in the changing rooms. Don't take them on in an arm wrestle. And three guesses what happened when they took the field. They took them on in the arm wrestle. And this is the this is the repercussions of it. So the story of the half went. Irvin scored three tries in the first 15 minutes before Moffat were able to pull one back from Chris Grant. But the heavy experienced and well-drilled Irvin forward pack dominated every scrum, giving them a platform to run in another two tries prior to half time. The second half started much brighter with the Rams. They looked much more like themselves, tried to play quickly and managed to pull a try back through Ewan Watson. But again, the Rams forward struggled with the Irvin pack and Irvin put another try in. The game then became very scrappy with Moffat conceding another a number of scrum penalties and a further try from Scott Milligan with 10 minutes to go finished the scoring for the game Irvin did run out worthy winners they ended up playing part of the game with only 13 players on the pitch because they lost a few to yellow cards but that just shows you the dominance in the Irvin pack if they were able to play with 13 players and possibly the style of rugby that was being played um, they know themselves as Moffat that they got sucked into playing that style that were imposed on them by the opposition and that's been a habit that's been creeping into their game lately and as a coaching group, Ross and the rest of his guys, that's what they're going to be focusing on when they head into their next week's matches. When I was speaking to 
Spears eight and Rushin. They were full of compliments for Moffat's ten, Max Douglas. Uh, they they really rated him. They thought he was a tremendous player and should be playing at a real high, much higher le- or a higher level. And those boys have played at that real top level in Scottish rugby. So uh, that is that is high praise at all from them guys. And I'm also going to have a dig at Spears A, and I've said this to his face as well. Spears A is older than me, believe it or not, Roscoe. He's still rocking on the boots. He's got a ton of grey hair, and he reckons that Moffat underestimated him with the grey hair, but what I said to him on the in the messages was his game's never changed in twenty years. He has a dummy, he has the line out, he has the ability to put people into space, and that's what he was doing at the weekend and ended up earning himself a man in the match performance. So well done to him. Well done to Irvin, the old muckers, some of the boys. But yeah, Moffat, you need to learn from this. Take it on the chin. It's one loss. Don't let the wheels come off after one loss. Keep at it and make sure you are imposing your game on the opposition as you move through the leagues. The only other side that managed to pick up a win other than the Stuart men's were the Shire ladies. And I think one thing that Stuart we did on the weekend is, is front up, show that hunger, show that bit of fight that we've been looking for and and really take the game to the opposition. And that's also something Neve has been talking about the two times she's been on the podcast, one very recently, of course. And they managed to do, or it looks like at least, they managed to do just that against West of Scotland. Shire 36, West 22. And yeah, that's a massive one for uh, Shire against a really strong West of Scotland team. You know, they were flying in the league before this weekend's game. They're still sitting, sitting, bleh. They are still sitting third in the league. But when we previewed it, we did say that it was going to be a real tough game for Shire. But they've managed to pull it out of the bag. Home game, they'll be really happy with that going, going into this weekend's game. It's going to be another toughie for them against a team that's sort of in and around the same bracket as the West of Scotland. So it's a real confidence booster for them going into that. So we will uh, we'll see how they fare this weekend. But that's a that's a massive result for them. We finish results round up, unfortunately with a loss, Carthy Queen's Park against Annan Warriors. However, a massive improvement, you've got to say. Disappointing that a loss is a loss, of course. Carthay Queen's Park 34, Anna Warriors 26. That's a lot more points than some of the other games that they've managed to play or the, some of the other games they've managed to put on the scoreboard this season. So a loss, yes, but improvements are there, John. Yeah, and again, problem seems to be, maybe not, maybe not across the board, maybe being harsh, but when I spoke to Chocolate, Today, he was telling me that it was a much-changed ladies' team with only one of last week's starting backline playing due to injury and unavailability. And they started with a second row at 12, a flanker at 14, and a nine who had never played nine before. Chocolate-themed the game this weekend as a game for the girls to put on their big girl pants. 
and try and pull a performance together. They played really well, uh, and with a bit of luck and a bit a little bit more experience in the backs for him, they potentially could have won that game. The red the ladies really showed some resilience and determination throughout that an attack. Kaylee Warwick getting a shout out again. Ashley Cole stood out with the makeshift centre and Hannah Patterson getting sword of the match. In defence, a name that we read out every week, Zoe Mitchell getting another mention. Kate Morrison, Becky Nelson did well with the shield of the match going to Rihanna Parker-Clevitt, who's obviously an ex-guest on our podcast. So it's a tough, tough one when you feel like there's probably opportunities where you could have won, but you weren't able to pull it together. But as you say, Roscoe, there is improvement happening there. Carter, real good side in that league. And Ferranin to score 26 points on them is, uh, is pretty impressive, especially when, as he says, there's some makeshift players in there. So they, they should be really proud of that effort uh, and that performance. And they just need to make sure that they put their big girl pants on every week and, and try and scare some of these teams that are at the upper ends of the table and hopefully one of them topple at some point and then pick up a couple of wins and get a bit of momentum and go from there. Great background again then for the fixtures preview and we're going to start with the one team that we haven't mentioned because they didn't have a game. Dumfries Ladies, they are back in action after a little bit of a break. They are playing their next tournament on Sunday and it's Greenock Wanderers. Yeah, and they'll be really looking forward to this this weekend after last weekend where they didn't quite have the same results as they've had in previous weeks. The opposition are improving and now it's time for Saints to show that they are also making those massive steps. And we're hoping that Saints are going to go to this weekend and they're going to come back with those big 50-point wins again to show that last week was maybe a little blip, but they are the team of that division that everyone's chasing and everyone's trying to hunt down and they'll want to make amends. Hopefully the opposition that beat them turn back up because obviously with the festival format, we're never 100% sure just who's turning up and who's not. So we're hoping that they get a really good run this weekend at Greenock. And I wonder if Greenock are going to put both their teams together again to to play the Mighty Saints. So we will uh, we'll keep an eye on that with interest uh, and see if we can get some match reports for us next week on the podcast. Another team that are probably just really looking forward to playing some rugby because their game got cancelled, Stuartry Sirens. Big one at home against a strong Castorfin side, but they'll want to turn up because... This is the only other time this season, I believe, that both the men and women are at home. We'll come on to the men in a second, but the women, Sirens v Kostorfin. Yeah, obviously the Sirens are on that second cycle of fixtures, much like all our women's league rugby, having started a couple of weeks before before the men's season. So we know what's happened previously with this, this fixture when... Sirens travelled up to Kerstorf and they suffered a 68-point defeat where they scored no points. I didn't want to say that. I was trying to find a way not to say that, but it just wouldn't have made sense in the context. So it was 68-0 was the last result when the Sirens played Kerstorf. So they're looking to try and make 
an improvement on that. They don't want that scoreline again, especially in a home game. So they'll be looking to try and pull that together. I've been able to have a look at the team sheet and they have a very strong side. They have a very strong bench this week. There is a few players playing slightly different positions, which will be interesting to see how they fare. But if we steal a chocolate phrase, we can apply that to Sirens as well. It's time for them to put on their big girl pants. Be the bus, as was the chat a few seasons ago with the Sirens and put in a performance at home against Kerstorfen to make sure that they give themselves a little bit of heart because Geary game was obviously a massive game that was going to be their make or break of the season that's been postponed now by the looks of it into December. So they'll be wanting to try and build some momentum for that game. And listen, the chances of the winning this is probably slim, if I'm brutally honest. But a performance is what they're looking for, making it a better scoreline than 68-0. That's how we're going to gauge them. Can they put in a better performance this time and get some points on the board, improve their defence and keep Kerstorfen to maybe a handful of tries? And then you never know. Keep them to four tries, you score four, couple of kicks, you win the game. That's where they've got to get to. From one tough game to another, Annan Warriors hosting the high-flying and what looks to be uh, not to be pessimistic, but unstoppable bigger. Yeah, literally, you may as well just copy what I've said for the sirens and paste it and for Annan against Bigger. Bigger boasting the best attack in the league. They are boasting the best defence in the league. They have lost a fixture. They lost to Ayr, but that was in the second week of the season and they've been on a roll ever since. And they managed to return the favour last weekend against Ayr. So it's going to be tough. Last time these two sides played, Bigger ran out 70 points to five winners. So again, it's going to be looking at Annan to try and put that performance in where you keep a hold of Bigger, you don't let them get that number of tries and you look to get some of your own points on the board, put them under pressure at half time and then see what happens in the second half. Good luck to them. It's going to be a tough one. 304 points scored for 61 against that is the task that Annan, that's an eight fixtures, by the way. So that is a lot of points and not a lot of points being conceded. So if Annan can put some points on the board against them, that's going to stand them in good stead. Sort out their defence, really front up, make some big hits, try and stop the pace of bigger because they play real fast rugby. Try and stop that pace and, and then they give themselves half a chance. But again, it's going to be looking at performance in this one. Can they keep that score line down? Can they get scores on the board for themselves? And then you never know. You're in the you're in the land of potentially a refereeing decision or a decision whether the ball goes over the post or not. Speaking of teams being on a roll, Shire are just that at the moment. Great win in the Derby against Annan. Great win against West, and now they're playing Greenock. And this is a tough test as well. The last time these two sides played, Greenock ran out 38-5 winners. Shire would not have been happy with that result. 
and they'll be looking to try and make amends for that. They are four wins, four losses from their eight fixtures. Greenock, four wins, three losses and a draw. They are both in and around 222 points and they are both in and around 190 points conceded. So these two evenly matched sides, the home field advantage was the difference last time these two sides met and Shire will be hoping to take advantage of that home field this weekend and hopefully reverse that that last result between the two sides. On to the men's and much like the Sirens, Newton probably are just itching to play some rugby. They are also at home, home field advantage, which we've just talked about. They've got Stumel. Yeah, Wiley's going to hate me, but Newton are going into this in fifth place. Stumel sitting dead last. Only won one game. Newton having won four. Stumel having had a points deduction. Also sitting bottom of the table compounding their, their sort of issues. But to put myself in Wiley's shoes, I would be saying to my guys, if I was uh, if I was in Newton, a team with their back to the wall are going to come out scrapping. And that's a dangerous proposition to be facing. So although on paper it looks like this is an easy win for Newton, Stu Mel are definitely going to come down and they're going to have different ideas. And if Newton aren't on the ball, we know how diff we know how rugby matches can be decided on on small margins and small percentages. And if Newton are just slightly off in the scrum, slightly off in the line out, then it's going to cause them problems. So they need to be focused, they need to be on it and try and find that consistency that they had last season that they've just been missing this season. Got to get these performances right and being able to back them up back to back. Now it's going to be difficult having last week, two weeks ago off, having last week off, they've got to come into this game full guns blazing. They're rested up. They should be bodies fresh. But they need to remember that Newton's about physical rugby and they need to take it to Stu Mel and, and make sure they know that they're in, a, in for a tough game. So we are thinking Newton are going to win this, but they've got to be on the ball and they'll be looking to try and make sure that they are. Maybe this next one is fairly self-explanatory because Orkney have got a long way to go and we've got to make the most of that, which we've talked about before. They are travelling to Dumfries Saints. And Orkney are absolutely no mugs. They, they have to make this trip every second week so they will know how to handle that away game mentality that we talked about Saints struggling with for them but they don't need to worry about that this week, they're at home and as you say they need to make advantage of that home field count but Orkney are sitting third in the league, currently unbeaten, they've only played six games which is probably why they're sitting in third, Saints haven't played seven, they've only won two it's going to be another tough day at the office for Saints. But again, we're banging on the drum that Paddy bangs on about. It's about performance. It's about building a team that's together and they're able to put in these... When the things are tough, they're able to stand up and they're able to be counted. So again, that's what they're going to be looking for at Saints. Is 
when the chips are down, who are the boys that are going to stand up? And we keep hearing the same names over and over and over again. I'm hoping that this weekend, Paddy's going to be able to give me another couple of names to be able to add to that list and make sure that they are putting their hand up for these first-team jerseys and putting their hands up to put Saints in a better position in the league. Currently seventh. We want them higher in the table than that. It's going to be a tough one, Orkney, but if there's an opportunity to knock them off, this is going to be it because this will be Orkney's longest journey down. Like the Stuartry women's, the Stuartry men's are also at home. And after we won at the weekend for the first time in, in three games, I would say White Craig's is a pretty tough one to have to back it up. I believe they're sitting second only behind the unbeaten Garnock. So it's not going to be an easy one, but it's a it's a baptism of fire. Stuartry, back to winning ways. They've got White Craigs on Saturday. Yeah, and this is going to be the toss of a coin, uh, unfortunately, Roscoe. Stuartry and White Craigs pretty much on a par. White Craigs having won four, lost two of their six. Stewartry having won four, lost three. So it's pretty even. The points difference as well, pretty even. Stewartry 189. White Craig's on 200. Stewartry having played that extra game, 179. White Craig's 167. This is the epitome of two teams neck and neck going at each other and it's going to come down to probably who wants it more. Can Stuartry take advantage of the home field? White Craig's traditionally a big heavy side that likes to play crash ball rugby. How are Stuartry going to front up to it? Because that's, if again we're totally honest, a bit of their Achilles heel when players or when teams front up against them are they able to stand up for themselves and not get tied into, bogged down into the, the kind of arm wrestle? Can they impose their style of play onto the opposition or are the opposition going to impose the style onto them? We've said it's a home game for both the men's and the women. They'll be looking to put in a big performance because there's going to be, I would imagine, a lot of people in and around the club this weekend. So this is a real mouth-watering one for us this week. It's also our club social or our team social after the game up in the clubhouse so we're hoping for a big win and then a big celebration to boot. What's the theme? Shit shirts. Shit shirts. Yeah. Have you got one already? I do, yes. Of course I do. (laughs) Speaking of journeys and sitting on the bus and being ready when you get off the bus, that's what Annan need to be focusing on this week. They are away to Oban in West One. I'm going to theme this week for Jan. I hope he doesn't mind. But this is gut check time. Last week, that result is a gut punch. They feel like they should have won that game. For them then to back up with a long bus trip to Oban, this is what I would term gut check. Who's in it for the long haul? Who's in it? Who's willing to roll their sleeves up, dig deep and find something inside themselves that can take Annan to a victory on the road against Oban. 
two reasonably even matched, probably. Oban have only played five games and they've only won three. Annan haven't played seven, only won two. So it's probably, scales are probably tipping in Oban's favour, especially being at home. This is character check time for the Annan boys. Can they put in a performance on the road on that long bus trip? Can they make themselves available for Jan? that he doesn't need to scrape around to try and find bodies to go and play the longest trip that they'll have all season. This is dig deep time for Annan. They're going to have to dig themselves out of this position that they're in. They're good enough. They play in patches where you can see on the video that they put some good stuff together and they've got some cracking players. They need to put that performance in the whole 80 minutes and start picking up some victories. It's a tough one to, to aim for, but that's why... The theme for this week is gut check. Can you do it? Good luck to them. Shire will also be hoping for a bounce back, but they don't have an easy place to go either. It was a, a middle-of-the-pack team that I always, or I say always, but last season playing two games against them, I always thought it was a it was a tough game. And you've said the same in your years and years and years and years and years and years and years of experience, John. Shire playing Lindsay away. Yeah, it's a horrible, horrible place to go. Uh, I think in my years and 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 years, I think I've only had a comfortable victory there a handful of times. Not even a handful, less than a handful. So it is a tough place. But we keep saying this, and I keep saying it, and I will continue to keep saying it till I stop talking about rugby. Every game is going to be tough. Rugby's a physical sport and every dog has its day. And when you go to these places, these teams have trained all week on a style of play that they want you to fall into. And that's what Shire need to keep their eyes open for because Lindsay are going to do that. Lindsay are a team that are very good at imposing themselves on the game. And it's about teams being self-aware to not get sucked into it and being able to play their style of rugby. Lindsay's pitch is not the best of pitches. If you are a team like Wigtonshire that want to try and play with the ball. So that is going to be the difficulty as to how you can play when you're not at when you're not at home with big massive pitches and you've got loads of area to play in. The pitch seems really narrow, the pitch seems really short, and it seems like it's a a real hospitable place. How are you going to react and how are you going to put out performance for this one? And that's that's what Shire need to keep an eye on. Put their handprint on the game, take their game to Lenzi, and Lenzi won't be able to cope with it. But you give Lenzi a sniff, you let Lenzi impose the game, they will fight and fight and fight and fight. They do not give up. So you have to be on it for the 80 minutes. From West One over to East One. Langham also looking for a bounce back. They're welcoming Broughton. Yeah, and this one will be tough for, for Langham, especially if they're losing to teams under them in the league. Broughton are currently sitting third in that league. It's going to be a tough a tough ask. But home field advantage, try and impose their game on Broughton. But it, it's, listen, it's going to be a tough one for them. Uh, they'll need to look at how their consistency is impacting their performance and try and find a way of being able to put 
out that consistent performance because it has been a bit of a up and down season for them. Only two wins, five losses so far for Langham. But, you know, scoring 192 points. So they are able to score points. The defence having conceded 250 points, 248, sorry, but round up to 250 is, is clearly the issue. Broughton have no problem scoring 271 points, but they are also a leaky defence, 206 points. So Langham need to take advantage of that and try and put something together that gets them back on a back on a footing in that league. And for the fourth time in a row, we're looking for a bounce back from Moffat. Back at home, which they'll really be relishing, Shawlands are headed to Moffat. If you are wanting a bounce back, this could be a good opportunity for them. Shawlands sitting mid-table, middle of the pack, three wins, three losses from their six. Moffat obviously picking up that first loss at the weekend there against Irvine. It's not a bad one to go for because bottom of the table, everyone expects you to win. So that's sort of easy and it's easy to continue to be complacent. But when you're playing a team that's sitting middle of the table, middle of the pack, you know that there's a threat there, that they are they are a decent side. So complacency was what we put it down to, not being able to impose their game against Irvine. Shawlands are going to try and do the same thing. They'll want to try and clip the wings of Moffat and compound their misery having lost in that that season. Unbeaten season, sort of drifting away. So this is Moffat. Again, gut check. How are you going to react to your first loss? Is it going to go reversing all the way back to Moffat of old where they try and hide their head in the sand and really struggle to pick up victories? Or has the changes that Roscoe's made made a lasting impact? And can they go on a, a run now where they put more wins together heading into the tail end of the, the midway of the season? Sorry. So that is that. As we said, not the results we wanted on our one-year anniversary episode, but hopefully they all get put right this weekend. Some cracking games. Best of luck to all of our sides. And we've said it time and time and time again, but on this 100th episode, October 2022 to October 2023, thank you so much for every single one of the 19,635 listens. It really does mean a lot and more so than you probably think. The support keeps us going, keeps us happy, and we do this every single week with no bother at all or little bother. I still have to spend two hours with John every Monday or Sunday night. But here is to the next 19,635, John. Yes, Ross. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a like and review on our social medias. Our Facebook page is Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast. Our Instagram and Twitter handles are DG Rugby Pod. We also have the Score Predictor, which we run weekly, which will be on our social media accounts. And once again, thank you for any support that you offer the pod. It really does help us spread the word of rugby in Dumfries and Galloway across the country.